Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast off junk, where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go, a podcast about all kinds of people, places, and things. And I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And today our topic, well, my topic is Mexican jumping beans. Do you know what they are? A little bit, but not much. So I'm excited to hear about this and where they go. Okay, so I wanted my topic to be um, whimsical. I've been having kind of a rough time. And like everything that I wanted to do was kind of heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could make this topic heavy, but I decided not to. Um, But we're going to talk about Mexican jumping beans. And if you've never seen a Mexican jumping bean, like at the store, if you're not like from the olden times like I am, or uh, (laughs) if you don't live near the border of Mexico... Um, you might never have seen them, but they are like these little bean. They're like little bean pod, and they're sold in like little containers, and they're kind of delightful because they jump. They actually jump. Like they oh, yeah. they wiggle or they move just a little bit. And when I was a kid, I remember being so completely fascinated with these and not really understanding what they were. And then I was told. It's actually a little larval, uh, the larval stage of a little moth. Yeah. Oh. Did you know that? I knew it was some kind of insect, but I had no idea what. I thought it was a beetle. Totally wrong. Yeah, no. So the, uh, so we'll start with the larval stage. It's the, so I'm so bad about science nomenclature. Like I'm really bad at it. I, I'm not a very good scientist but <laughs> it's like a cydia saltitan moth and they're these you know these little moths they're tiny moths um you know i mean you can see them with your eye and everything but they're those little irritating ones that like um they're similar to the ones that just kind of fly around and they're tiny and they get her like basically into the light fixtures they're like mm-hmm. that size so this little moth, it lays eggs in the flowers of these little desert trees called Sebastiana Pavono- Pavoniana, and that is in the Euphorb family, and uh, Emily will know what that is. It's a... Yeah. Yeah. They're shrubby. <laughs> yeah. They're shrubby. Yeah. They're, they're common um, in the desert. Yeah. So the eggs hatch on the seeds... And the larva burrows in around the stem of the seed pod and then enters and it lives there. Okay. Just hanging out until it might get a chance to pupate. So we're going to go into some heavy anthropomorphization here. So here's the thing. Not all these larvae get to pupate. They'll just live in this little seed pod. And if the conditions in the deserts of Mexico are just right, like... They stay hydrated. The monsoon rains come and um, they'll stop dancing in their little seed pods and eating little tasty seed bits and uh, think about pupating. So once they've decided to, they will chew another hole because remember they chewed that original hole to get in. Well, this one's a bigger hole and this is weird because how do they know it needs to be a bigger hole? They don't know what's about to happen. So right, this they don't time, have rulers. <laughs> exactly. So um, they know 
how do they know that they're going to be bigger later and so they seal that up with silk so they're a member of the tortricidae family which is a, um, a family uh, and a very big family of uh, lepidoptera um, so moths and butterflies uh, which mm-hmm. all like they're mostly little, little moths and their progeny their little caterpillars little wormy guys um, they are the ones that bore and burrow into fruit and seeds so um, there's it's a huge family but a lot of the little larvae they just they're little burrowers they're those little there are those little burrowed things in your apple they're those little wormies in there so so when our little friend the one that we were talking about the mexican jumping bean makes the decision to make a bigger hole perhaps the monsoon rains monsoon rains came and he's washed near something that keeps him hydrated he's like life is great once they decide to become a moth a moth that doesn't have a jaw it's essentially the end of their life so Mm -hmm. right here i said we need to um insert some depressing wistful old french music because it's like i'll do my best They will come out of that seed pod if, you know, they're not some scientific experiment for third grade class. Um, And they will live long enough to be annoying around light bulbs, mate, lay eggs, and die after a few days. So they dance around, dance, 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 dance around in this little bean pod for months. And then, yeah, they decide to become a moth and then they lay eggs and the whole thing starts again. It's kind of like this crazy, weird, spectacular, like end of life story, you know? Mm -hmm. It it would be the equivalent of deciding at 85 to turn yourself into a completely different species. So remember, like, you're a worm living in a seed pod and you're going to turn completely around into something that can fit out a little hole and fly around like this is crazy so just imagine if a human would do that it's like becoming a heron when you're 80 exactly so i really loved that aspect of it the butterflies and moths in general just i love them for that weird transformation where they basically become goo and turn into something completely different um so the beans was weird because I remember getting them as a kid and I knew that they were this little worm, but I didn't really know like what their life cycle was. And yeah. And do you know why they dance around? Is it just because the, the larvae are moving or? That is exactly why. And uh, so they're just, they're actually flicking their tails. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, so they're like flicking their bodies so they, they move around. And since we can't ask them because they don't speak, you know, <laughs> human language, they can't mm-hmm. tell us. Um, but people have observed that they may be avoiding heat. So when they furl oh. and unfurl themselves, it like pushes them to shadier spots. That makes so, a lot of sense. And even like, even if you move from a hot spot to another hot spot, it's kind of like that that lizard that has like two feet up and two feet down and mm-hmm. then it'll switch 
It's like the feet that are on the ground are getting hot, but the other ones aren't. And so if you're like moving around a little, maybe the bottom of your seed pod gets hot, but the top is fine. Yeah. And so these larvae are tiny too. Like if you've never seen one, the seed is not as big as you would think. Like you would think maybe it's the size of a walnut. It's not. It's like the size of a kernel of a corn or an almond. So these little worms are little. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're little and they're making these beans jump. And if you go to a place that has them, like a touristy spot, um, it'll just be like um, a little shelf of these little like plastic cases with that click and the seeds click like over and over. So if you get near them, they'll click a lot. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is. a It's a fascinating little thing, I think. I was taught at one point that they're just fake, which never made sense to me because it's like they're so small. Why why would someone put so much effort into making a fake little thing that can move that was so cheap? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's it's quite a bit of effort. You can still order them. And, you know, nowadays the websites talk about how they're sustainably harvested um, and everything, which, you know, is a good thing. You, you don't want to throw off an ecosystem's balance just because you want beans that, you know, move around a little because of a worm. But yeah. <laughs> they, they're part, they're uh, only really found in the Sonoran and Chihuahuan Desert in Mexico. So they're only really found like kind of in that border area up by Arizona and New Mexico um, in the states of Sonora and Chihuahua. So, I mean, they're they're not like super, they're not super common themselves, but their family, their family, the, the Tortricidae that I was talking about, that's actually a very large family, but mm-hmm. they themselves, you know, there's not there's probably millions of them but they only exist really in one place because they can't survive really without the sebastiana um trees that they breed on and they breed on like one other but it's very closely related so it's all very interesting how things move and change and how we like get to have novelty out of nature out of something there's no way I, as someone who grew up in, you know, the prairies and the farmlands of Illinois, would ever come into contact without trade. No, not on your life. I've seen them in Michigan. Really? Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was a tchotchke shop purchase, you know, a little gift shop purchase. I think my brother had one. And Michigan, of all places. (laughs) I know. Isn't that funny? Um, So it made me start thinking about all these other weird things when we were kids that we used to see, uh, like owl pellets. Did you ever dissect owl pellets? Oh, definitely. My kid actually just asked for one recently. So kids still uh, uh, dissect them. She saw it on PBS Kids. And we talked about it, too. We talked about owl pellets a little bit, like... um, I believe when we talked about like them expelling it and yeah, I think you covered it for a topic. I don't remember which though. It was it was part of something that we did, and I've already talked about it. So there, if you want to go back and and listen to it, um, but it's like one of those other weird things that you learn about nature from as a kid, but it's all like very spectacle wise. Like 
it's owl puke that has a lot of bones in it, but that that's really pretty cool because how am I ever as a, you know, human going to see a uh, mouse skeleton unless, and a mouse skull, uh, unless, you know, I dissect an owl pellet or see one. So it's right, cool to how, learn anatomy. It is. And how many people would recognize an owl pellet in the wild if they were never taught about them? You'd just see a little ball of hork on the ground and leave it alone, you know? <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. It's an owl pellet. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think we talked about it a little bit with ambergris, maybe. Oh, I'm sure that was it. I think you're right. very similar. Yeah, Sarah did a great episode about ambergris. Yes. And then, of course, that made me think about sea monkeys. <gasps> yeah. So sea monkeys are interesting because they are brine shrimp. And I think a lot of people probably know that. Um, and they're like, oh, they're a scam. They're actually cool animals. So they're ephemeral. They're like an ephemeral species. So they will live an they're like tardigrades and that they're really tough so they can survive being desiccated their seeds can for a long time and then the seeds get into water from like ephemeral streams and stuff um and marshlands and they come alive they just hatch it's if the nutrients are right they hatch and so they're like tardigrades in that way but not nearly as hardy and that they're just you know they they can not exist and then suddenly exist again. It's pretty cool. So nature so like is cool. Wi- so like deserts, wildflowers almost. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's like all this cool, uh, where does it go? Well, you know, it turns into a moth. But before that, it's a jumping be- jumping worm that has a dance party and a, and a bean. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... And then might get sent to... An elementary schooler in Michigan or, exactly. Indiana, or Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> what, a so, what a I ride! I know it's so absurd. Off. It's so absurd. So coming to a grade school near you, Mexican jumping beans, but they're actually seed pods. But yes, little worms. Yeah, so they're at least they are actually Mexican. Yeah, they truly are. Because sometimes common names will rope in uh, places that have absolutely nothing to do (laughs) with what you're talking about. (laughs) So it's kind of nice to know that they're actually from Mexico. Yeah, they truly are. Like the plant, uh, it's often called Japanese knotweed. And it's sometimes called Mexican bamboo. But it's actually from China. So stuff like that. So I, I had wondered if Mexican jumping beans were actually Mexican. And it's they actually are. They actually are. Yeah, they actually are. Uh, it, it's fun that way. So you get to learn. I got to learn a little bit about uh, the geography of Mexico just because I was curious. I was like, oh, yeah, where's the state of Chihuahua? You know, because I have a Chihuahua. So I yeah. was curious, where is Chihuahua? Um, and so I looked and I learned a little bit about Mexican geography. I suggest you look it up. It's pretty awesome. Um, So there's a lot of desert, but then when you get closer into um, the Yucatan Peninsula, it starts to turn into 
jungle and we don't we take for granted how enormous mexico is and what a range of ecosystems it has from like yeah it's awesome it also has something like 118 species of oak tree that are unique to mexico holy canasta really yeah there are really unique and diverse oak forests in mexico it's one of one of the things that i would really love to see at some point in my life is oak forests in mexico so Wow, yeah. Mexico's a lot more complicated and interesting than I think a lot of Americans are led to believe. <laughs> I Yes, I totally agree with that. So if you get anything out of this episode, I hope you uh, uh, think a little bit more about our neighbors to the south that have taken a lot of garbage from us. <laughs> I'm speaking as an American. And so, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful country. I've been there. It's one of my favorite places in the entire planet is um, around Tulum, Mexico, where the Mayan ruins are. It's just completely gorgeous. Yeah, you've talked about uh, your visit there with me several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we- so they're so gracious there. Everywhere we went, they were just so sweet and gracious. Um, and a lot of the culture, um, they try to really keep their Mayan uh ancestors in mind and try and realize like where their ancestry comes from which is fantastic Mm -hmm. cool yeah (laughs) that was a good ramble (laughs) (laughs) i had very little idea about mexican jumping beans you know they're a they're a science museum oddity almost in a lot of the united states and you know i love oddities there is oh yeah I do know that. It's awesome. I wonder how big a market there is for Mexican jumping beans. I don't even know if anybody knows. I couldn't get a sense of it. Um, I'm guessing it has comes in waves. Um, Because people don't really go to like weird touristy junkie shops that much anymore. I would say probably less likely like when you and I were kids that people are shipping the little uh, jumping beans all over the place. But I did find a couple of websites that you could actually order like pallets of them for schools and stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. So there is sort of, there is sort of a market for them. If mm-hmm. you can get pallets and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy. I was like, holy moly, really? I wonder if people cultivate them or if they collect them wild. I am ha- curious about that as well because Um, there are different spurges that are very, very easy to grow. Um, they're kind of, they can be weedy depending on where they're grown. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know anything about the little tree, Sebastiana. Um, I know that euphorbs can either be a pastor or, you know, a beautiful thing. It's mm-hmm. just because it's so big. So I don't know. I don't know if you could do um, the two little shrubby trees that if you could grow those and then harvest them. Such a, I don't know. I don't know how you do that because it's kind of so dependent on so many factors. Yeah, I bet if you had a stand of the shrubs, it's sort of an if you build it, they will come. Because if mm-hmm. you cultivate habitat for a particular species, you can often attract them. Mm-hmm. So it may be a partial cultivation type thing in that it's not like heavy duty, making sure each seed has a little little larva 
in it or in the pod, but at, you know, letting creating habitat and letting things go or they're collected wild. It might be like um, deer or something where it's just pretty easy to go ahead and go get some. Yeah, so the website I was reading, it was talking about how they're sustainably harvested. And it sounded like there was an effort by the people to collect them. So it seemed like they're kind of in that weird hybrid area of um, knowing where a good crop of something is and making sure that even though it's semi-wild, that it's still taken care of. That's generally like the impression I was getting um from reading it um and they're they were like we pick only the ones that are most active and i was like okay cool you want the ones that are dance around a lot to you know entertain the little kids (laughs) (laughs) entertain the children entertain the children (laughs) dancing bean (laughs) you know how many uh, I always, like, this came up in my mind, too. Like, how many kids um, were like, Mom, I want to open the bean so that I can see the little worm. And, and, you know, parents are like, no, I don't think I want to do that. My kid would want to take apart the bean and see the worm. (laughs) She told me just before uh, we started recording that she wants uh, my spouse gave her a book called Crap Taxidermy. (laughs) That's a great book. It is. And she wants to make all the taxidermies from it. Yeah. And so she would definitely want to see what's inside the bean. (laughs) (laughs) And then she'd want to make it a whole habitat and make sure it was taken care of and all this, all of it. You know, the funny thing is, like, Emily, this is going to be weird, but if you and I had a kid... She would be very similar to Anna, which I find so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that you, me, and her are kindred spirits, that's all. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny. It is. Yeah, Crap Taxidermy, that is a fantastic book. Yes. <laughs> and I love that your five-year-old likes it. <laughs> she is committed to the idea of taxidermy. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a dying art to be honest Mm -hmm. it is and some of it is really bad art and is featured in the book crap taxidermy (laughs) (laughs) yes what other oddities what other oddities are there that i can think of that are like you know there's always i don't know there's the frog dissection but that's no fun yeah, and then there's, um, I don't know if your schools did this, but ours, in fifth grade, you had to dissect what's called a pig pluck. Yes. Um, which is lung, heart, stomach. I don't know if we got intestines or not. Mm-hmm. No, liver. We got lung, heart, stomach, and liver. They did not give us the intestines, probably because you can eat the intestines, so they sold them. Um, and then what else? I'm thinking of like... I'm thinking of science museum gift shops now and like the pencils that had all the little gemstone chips in them. Oh my God. I love those little gift shops. You have no idea. Oh, I adore them too. Like little things of slime or little mood rings or bouncy balls. They are the frosting of life. (laughs) They really are. Weird little gift shops are. 
little kaleidoscope type thing so you are looking through a compound eye yes what else uh, astronaut ice cream of course oh of course i love astronaut ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's shaw's like one of his favorite things so i've gotten for it a few for him a few times on our anniversaries oh that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all those whistles that sound like trains oh yeah oh and you you always have to use the machine that is like 26 cents because you have to put the quarter in and then the penny to smash it they are now 51 cents what oh my god inflation inflation (laughs) it is trash I always try to bring change with us when we go with friends to the museum so that uh, all the kids can get a smushed penny or two. Oh, that's awesome. It's like the little treasures like that. I I still have a four-leaf clover. Ooh. Yeah, I still have one. I actually think I have... I have mine, and then I think in a little book, I have my sister-in-law's that she found, and I have no idea why. So, Leanne, when you hear this, I have your four-leaf clover. Um, I'm happy to return it. Uh, I don't know why I have it. (laughs) Just lucky, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I ended up, maybe it was safekeeping, you know, to be honest. Uh, They bought a house a few years ago, and they, then they remodeled it. So, maybe it needed to stay with me until it was safe. I could see that. (laughs) Who knows? While we, while I anthropomorphize everything and become an animist online. <laughs> I mean, why not? Exactly. I can think of far worse things to do. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Sarah. Absolutely. Thank you, f- thank you for that wander down memory lane because I love a museum gift shop. So that's exactly where I was going with this, because the reason I wanted to do Mexican jumping beans is that it's a whole trip down memory lane. Like it's a whole Mm -hmm. trip of science education um, in my elementary school years. Like it it just makes me happy to think about. Um, It's weird and learning how weird the world actually is. Yep. One of my favorite things. (laughs) You can find us at whereisitpodcast.com and also just about anywhere that podcasts are available except Podbean uh, because nobody ever listened to us on Podbean. (laughs) I just stopped putting it up. Uh, And uh, you can reach us at whereisitpodcast at gmail.com if you have suggestions for a topic or questions, comments, concerns. And uh, we're rejiggering our social media. So we have a Facebook uh, Sarah, can you tell us where our Facebook page is? Where does it podcast on Facebook? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Then I'm supposed to be running a TikTok at some point, and I will get to that, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know that anybody really cares. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah who cares? <laughs> 